JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Andy Moore on the Mother of Group Hotline from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Pacers. It is Dustin DePurak who is with us. Hey, Dustin, thank you for the time. How are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me as always. Absolutely. I want to start right here. We are searching for, like, like we know at its best how this team can play. But we're looking for more consistency at a higher level. Not playing at their best. It'd be great every minute of every game, but a level of consistency. Have they seemed to, to have been able to pinpoint hard target where they need to get better in that capacity? For example, after last night's game, good game, blowing out the Pistons, third quarter, gave up 45 points, not so good. They stayed after, and they watched that quarter again. Do they have in mind where they need to take this playing-wise to become that consistent team that we want them, we expect them to be? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely one of those easier said than done things, especially when it comes to that. It's just, I mean, they, they can speak it out loud and say, well, this was our problem. We just, in Rick Carlos, it was just kind of a lack of concentration. And, you know, that sounds like it's a simple thing to say, but like actually getting everybody so that they're just not having lapses. Um, is a whole different thing, and, and it's a it, it's obviously something that's continued to uh, you know rear its, its head with this team because you know you, you've seen obviously the teams they've lost to the Charlottes, the Washingtons, you know they every once in a while just have one of these games where they just kind of blank out uh, or, or, or stretches. I mean I think they you know Rick said you know you go from having like the best uh, statistical defensive half of your year to having one of your worst statistical quarters against uh, a team that's eight and forty-seven. Like what what are you doing? Um, so they're just still capable of having those stretches where they just kind of don't have it and then they have to sort of like wrestle their way out of it but they just seem like they just don't they have those stretches where they don't really defend anybody where they're not playing with the same kind of presence they're not playing with the same you know just focus of mind uh and they let stuff go i mean so they so so they can identify that but identifying it and changing it are two entirely different things so kind of a product of this team is still young um but it's it isn't as good at that as, as it should be um uh, basically and that there are enough guys who know no what has to be done um, that they aren't quite doing. Obviously, they were playing without one of their best defenders last night, Aaron Neesmith, they need to get back. Um, but still, it's a team that should, that has enough guys that have been around at least long enough to not have those kinds of lapses, and it's still an issue that they have. So Dustin DePirac of the Star, he's on the Andy Moore on the Mother of Group Pylons. Since you brought him up, uh, what do you think is going to be the, the logical time frame in which we're going to see Aaron Neesmith miss minutes and miss you know, all that he brings to the floor, which is essential for this team? 
Yeah, hard to say because been, they've been pretty opaque about it. But, I mean, he's been walking around since the beginning, so it's not like there's a fracture in there or, or something that's, uh, you know, that you're looking at long term. I mean, he, you know, he, he walked out of the building after the injury, you know, so it's, a, it's an ankle sprain. Obviously, those things could be a little tricky and sometimes could be a little bit longer than you expect. Um, but, I mean, I wouldn't expect it to be that long just because he's, he's doing some things. And everything they've had so far, he's been walking around and shooting and whatnot. Um, so I don't know how long it's going to take until he gets, he's running on it and pushing off of it. Um, they're not giving really much of a timetable at all. As far as that's concerned, I just wouldn't think it would be that long because they're, you know, like he didn't have to walk on crutches out of the building. He hasn't had to be been on a, uh, he hasn't had to wear a walking boot, you know, or anything like that. Some of the things that are kind of uh, signs of this is going to be a little bit longer term. Uh, so I guess in, in short, I'd be surprised if it lasts the whole week. Um, you know, that, that I think would surprise me. I mean, it wouldn't blow my mind if he's available on Sunday, but on the same frame, I, I would think that it, if, if there is a little bit more to this, if they do feel like he needs a little bit more time to heal, I would think it would be much more uh, than a week. Hey, Dustin, do they still have an available roster position right now? They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have, they have one you, spot open if they you... to go after somebody. I wonder, what, what, do you think that they they might end up looking at the buyout market and try to utilize that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have. Um, I, I think, you know, obviously they bought out a couple of the guys that they traded for. Um, so they're obviously hoping to get something better than that. Um, you know, they, they kind of viewed it as, okay, just whoever they were getting, the guy, I mean, Kermaz and um, God, who was the other guy they bought out, Corey Joseph. Uh, they yeah. obviously looked at and said, we, we can do better than this. Um, or, or even if we don't, we're okay, we're okay with having the roster spot um, because we think even just keeping it is, is, is better than this option. So I'm sure they're going to look at it. I'm sure they have looked at it. They obviously have either not found anything they liked or haven't been able to get anybody they wanted. Um, I don't know that it's a necessarily, you know, particularly fertile, you know, buyout market, uh, you know, this year. There's not too many people that stand out to me as, oh, you know, I don't know why they haven't gotten, gotten, went to go get him yet. Uh, but you've seen obviously a lot of other teams have, have gotten guys like that, went and got a few other people on 10 days um, and, and started to use like that, that part of their, you know, roster. Patients haven't done that yet. So, I mean, I, I think they obviously kept it open for the possibility that they were going to look at it and they wanted to see what was available. And obviously they haven't seen anything yet. So, I mean, sort of there's, there's, you know, we're talking about what coming up on, I think yesterday was two weeks since the deadline. And so, um, you know, it's a little surprising that, it, that they haven't found anybody yet. Um, so I don't know if, you know, I, I don't know if they will or they won't. I'm sure that they are kicking tires and they have kicked tires. And I'm not sure how much, how many more tires they intend to kick. So Dustin DePurek of the uh, Star covers the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Yeah, I, I would agree. I kind of wonder where they, they think they're going here. For this team to be, and this is this is part of, well, I understand this, what they need to be better at, and that is consistently rebounding. Do you think they have it in them? Is this a, an individual thing that you can put on miles, or is this a collective thing you put on the entire team? It's definitely a collective thing you put on the entire team. I, mean, I think they can get a little bit better. You know, it, now that they have some size of power forward. Uh, you know, I think they were getting a little bit better during stretches. You know, you certainly saw really the first five, six, seven games with Siakam back. You really saw Aaron D. Smith rebound well. Um, and I think that was definitely a product of him having a matchup. He could actually win on the glass, and he hasn't been able to do that in a long time. Um, you know, again, it, you know, all respect to Aaron D. Smith for what he has been doing for years prior to the Siakam acquisition. I mean, he's just been frequently been, you know, been asked to punch well above his weight class um, and been pretty effective at it, but, but obviously they're 
the matchups where either on the defensive end or on the rebounding end, it, it, it just are, are above him, basically. And, and situations where he's been in position and just got rebounded over by somebody who's got four or five inches on him. So I, they, they seem to be getting better there. I mean, like Neesmith, I think, really had a stretch where he was getting six, seven, eight, you know, every night in a row. Uh, it seems like that kind of slowed down a little bit towards, you know, towards the break. Um, but I, I think they can get better. I don't know if they're going to be great. You know, Miles is just an okay rebounder, uh, you know, as a center. He's just okay. I mean, he's, I, I don't think he's terrible. I think people uh, are harder on, on him than that. But, I mean, you know, you'd like your center to be getting eight or nine. And he doesn't always do that. I think he got nine last night. Um, but that's not necessarily his steady number. You know, Jalen Smith has been the best rebounder. Um, you know, I think on a per 11 uh, or a per 36 basis, uh, I think Smith was their leading rebounder last year. I think he's been a leading rebounder this year. Um, and going to Siakam actually did, you know, from that lineup that they had out there, kind of shrank them actually, got them a little bit smaller uh, on that starting lineup, and they haven't rebounded as well since then. So, you know, I think th- they can get better. I mean, individual efforts matter. Um, and I, I think they can be a okay rebounding team. I don't know if they have it in them to be a great rebounding team because necessarily I don't know if they have the personnel for that, but I think they can be better than they are. Hey, Dustin, this is where they're going to go. So I guess it doesn't matter if you're a, a non-believer. But are you in full belief of a long-term high-dollar extension for Pascal Siakam? In the past month, has it sold you enough? on being able to raise the bar for this team in winning and productivity with him to do it at that dollar figure, high dollar figure, longer term? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and, and in part because, you know, what, what's plan B? You know, I, I guess it's kind of the other thing. Is that you have to, I, I think, in order to be a team that, that's truly competitive, um, to, to if you want to be an Eastern Conference contender, you have to have a second all-star caliber player. Um, I think you obviously saw what um, the things got a lot harder for Tyrese Halliburton once they really started doubling him, and you've got to have somebody who takes that double team away. Um, and Siakam, I think, does a lot of, of, of things well that, that can take that double team away or can allow him to take advantage of that double team. You know, certainly, you know, he's, he's He's, you know, clearly proven that, that he's the guy that if, you know, in late clock situations, you can really trust him to make a shot uh, and, and create his own. Obviously, he's a guy that for his size can handle the ball really well, uh, you know, can create really well, moves the basketball, fits, I think, pretty well to win with what they're, what they're doing. Have, you know, they obviously, I don't think, have created, and they haven't had a whole lot of time to do this, the kind of chemistry that you want to see between star A and star B uh, that, that really tells you, okay, this, this team really has a chance to be up there. I mean, you haven't seen those guys come together well, and, and yet uh, mostly because Halliburton's been dealing with the injury and the minutes restriction, and you're still seeing what they're capable of. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I don't know what other avenue gets you a second all-star player other than this. Um, he's, you know, you, you've got him in your camp. Um, you know, you found him, I, you know, obviously for a pretty good price as far as players was concerned. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a move that you can make that, I mean, unless you find a way to move him in a sign-and-trade type of deal and somebody will take him and give you a, a wholly separate superstar, um, I don't know where the other path is to get one. I mean, obviously, because you, you've already given up your first-round picks for next year, um, you know, so you, you would be a ways away. If you let him walk, um, you're a ways away from putting somebody in that number two chair. Um, and I don't know, you know, if, if you're going to have the assets to do a deal like this again and get somebody younger, um, you know, or just you're going to say, okay, let him walk and just use the money to hope that you can lure somebody on the free agent market this year. You know, all that feels chancier than just giving the money to the guy that's already in your camp. Um, and I, I'm again, I, I've been impressed by him as a player enough. 
Um, I'm sure there are guys that you could look at and say, well, in theory, this guy fits better, but you know, that, that is not a burden in your hand. Um, and it's hard to, you know, what it's going to take to actually acquire that, whether from a, from a financial perspective or so what it's going to take to attract that player. You know, they can, they can obviously offer Siakam five where they can't, you know, nobody else can do that. They have a bunch of advantages to keep him. Um, so I, I, I get if people have, you know, kind of issues of, I, I'm not sure about him being the second guy. Uh, I could see those, um, just because it hasn't been a totally seamless transition. And you're still talking to a guy that is, you know, uh, if he's not 30, he's going to be. Um, and so you're talking about tacking on five years and he's going to be 35 at the end of that. Um, you know, and that's a, it's a different timeline for him than it is for Halliburton. But on the flip side, I think you need to get – you need to have somebody that you can pair with Halliburton that's a real star. And, you know, I, I don't know that you can do better than what you already have in your camp. Two things here for Dustin DeFirak of the Star covers the Pacers. He's with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, it appeared to me last night that Tyrese Halliburton, for the first time since being back with the Pacers, since that injury and that re-aggravation, felt as if he had the restraints off. Also, last mm-hmm. night, I thought that coincided with this team for the first time in a while. The ball didn't stick offensively. The ball stuck a ton, and not always, even sometimes when Tyrese was out there. But I just saw a more, even against a bad team, by the way, too, in Detroit, a more free-flowing, very reminiscent of earlier this season type of offense last night. And I thought we saw Halliburton, who had been told the restraints are off, and his body had responded in that capacity. You agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, talking to him especially, I, I, I did feel like there was pretty steady progress once he got into the 30-minute range. Um, once it got past that initial 22-minute, or I mean, that's where he was at for those first four games. You know, since he's been playing in the 30s, I've seen him get. I feel like I've seen him get progressively better. I haven't seen too many moments where I looked at him and see like he looks like he's really in pain there. Um, but yeah, no, I man. I think All-Star break was good for him, even though he was really, really busy. I mean, obviously, he didn't have to have the same physical toll, even though he was his calendar was booked from you know Thursday to Sunday um, but you know it, it definitely has seemed basically on all the movement he's done you know since Saturday I, I feel like I've been pretty impressed and, and he looks a lot more like himself and last night I think he really looked like himself obviously I think the reverse dunk was kind of him showing off a little bit I think he he mentioned a couple times that the dunk he had in the all-star game was one that he was like I'm like is this gonna be okay you know and came through that feeling all right and I think once he felt got through you know woke up the next morning was fine and then got a couple of days to you know kind of stay off of everything I think he really came back and felt like okay like I'm I'm close to back I mean he mentioned you know there's still going to be soreness there he's like I still expect there to be soreness there but the the term he used is almost there you know about about there I think he thinks this is this is the best it's going to be I don't think he expects to be painless uh, for the rest of the year but he doesn't feel like there's anything that's restraining him and there's some some moves that he could do last night uh, and feel comfortable in and confident with it that he that he he has before and yeah no I I think the ball moves and whenever you know Halliburton I think really just obviously the guy who when he's really popping it, it, it creates that culture of moving the ball I mean, there, there were occasions when the ball moved too much you know there, there, I could think of at least two times uh, where there was a pass that didn't need to be made I mean it does you'd rather have them than passing than, than thinking that way than not but every once in a while you're like that was a layup you passed up you were up in the air just don't give it up you know uh, I think Halliburton had one of those I know Nemhard had one they tried to pass behind him on the break to Matherin and Matherin was not where he thought he was going to be and, and that turned into a turnover you know when, when it was a clear clear fast break layup up. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think the, the ball movement was a lot better. Um, 
you know, McConnell certainly, I think, did a really good job of that also when he was out in the second unit. Uh, but it, it definitely was moving last night. And obviously, Halliburton is the guy who really drives that. You know, when we when we see Matherin get it there to where a lot of people believe he can go, what we're going to see added to his game, Dustin, is the extra pass. Mm-hmm. Because there are often times when he goes in, and that's just how he is, he's going to take it, he's going to take it to the rim, he's going to take it to the glass. But he has got that Euro step movement down so well that if you yep. notice, oftentimes there's a player that's cutting to the basket next to him, opposite of him, that's got mm-hmm. availability. And if he just sees yep. them, if all of a sudden mm-hmm. his eyes get better and seeing that, to me that takes his game to the next level. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I said that, that Euro stuff, stuff he's got is incredible, and he's he's getting there. I think you know, they're subtly the veterans are pointing this out to him, and I think that uh, you know they're they definitely. If you saw any of the press conferences, you know, on uh, on All Star Saturday night, just after they won the Skills Challenge, and they were you know messing with him about you know whether he was really more excited about winning that than he was about winning you know Rising Stars MVP, and they were like, "Cap, I don't believe you, not at all." But I think yeah. they they have they have have definitely sort of chided him and was like, hey, look, you, know, you can pass. <laughs> you know, even Halliburton, I'll take on the broadcast, uh, was like, oh, he passed the ball. You know, they, they, they've sort of gotten this in his head by messing with him in, in the sort of like older brother giving you a, you know, elbow to the ribs kind of thing that, uh, hey, you, you need to move the ball. You know, like we know how good you are. We know you can score the basketball and that's fine and that's great. But, you know, you have to be able to play within the system. And I think Matherin is slowly figuring out it's not as natural as it is for some guys. And obviously Halliburton such a pass first guy. Um, and he creates that whole culture. And, and, and out of everybody on the team, it's the biggest struggle for Matherin to get it right because he's just used to being having that killer, I'm going to take it at you and dunk on you mentality. And so he's, it has taken some getting used to for him to figure out what fit means uh, for this and being able to see what is created uh, you know, by your gravity when you're getting downhill, that, that there might be an option that's easier than you trying to score through two people. There might be somebody else who has a clean dunk. Uh, and he's still figuring that part out. Um, but but he is he, he is not pushed back against it. He's, he's aware it's something he has to work on and it, it's coming slowly. And every once in a while, they, I think, have to tell him, like, you missed a pass there. You know, like, you, you could have given that up. But I think he is figuring that out. I mean, he does at least seem amenable to it, which I think is a good, is, is a good thing for them. Um, but you can tell that it's still a, a process that is ongoing and they are, they, are, there is, they are subtle, but they're also not afraid of saying it out loud either. Well, he, he missed at least three guys last night that had really open windows to the basket for layups or dunks. And I know that just comes with the growth of it all. I just think if he's able to see that and able to dump that off and that becomes a part of his repertoire, then that, to me, his game is going where people believe it can go. Right. No, I think you're totally right. Stuff like that is going to matter in terms of because if, if they know that he can pass it, then they have to back off a little bit. You know, if, if they don't, yeah. if, if they realize that, that they can't just load, you know, to the bucket and get in his lane and he's not going to take advantage of, of what's there by, you know, because of that gravity, uh, then they're just going to keep doing it. And so he's going to keep facing bodies until he passes off and, and makes that a threat. Well, no doubt. Dustin DePierak of the Star covers the Pacers. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, Jalen Smith, it, did last night do him well, too? You know, it was available, but only in an emergency situation. Didn't have to play. Gets even more rest before he is back. He going to be back next time out? 
It sounds that way. I mean, that's certainly what, what Ricardo is hopeful for. I mean, obviously, you know, back spasms, uh, you know, like it, it's more art than science as far as figuring that, as far as getting guys right, you know, coming off of that because you just don't know when it's going to go away. Uh, and it's tough for guys that big. I mean, you, you obviously have seen years and years of guys having those kinds of problems, um, and, and it's tough. So I think, you know, obviously that was what Carlisle's response was. We asked him at the beginning of the day, you know, is he available? And they said, yeah. And, he, you know, we talked to him after. So it's like, okay, so is he not? And he's like, no, he was available. It was just an emergency. It was just only an emergency. I didn't want to say that beforehand. Uh, you know, I wanted to get him four more days if I could. You know, obviously if, if Isaiah would have gotten into ridiculous foul trouble and they wouldn't be able to get through the game without him, uh, then they would have put him on the floor. Uh, but that obviously suggests that he must be close or that they feel close to feeling like he's comfortable. We talked to Jalen, I think, in practice when. Wednesday, uh, and he said obviously the break did him a lot of good. You know he was able to kind of uh, stay off his feet a little bit, get some real rest uh, for that, and certainly missed the two games prior. So he's had a lot of time to work on that, um, and this gives him a few more days. And so I think you know Rick obviously looked at that and said, okay, you got one game on Thursday, you don't have to play again until Sunday. That gives you some time um, if you can just get through this one and not have to play him. Um, then that's you know you, you've got three more days of, of not making this thing worse uh, until at least Dallas. So it does seem like it's, it's that, that he should be available by Sunday obviously backs react in different ways I and mean, you don't know what they're going to ask of him what kind of you know therapy he's going to have to do if there could be any kind of setback in there because stuff like that is obviously tricky and, and again with guys that big uh you know and that any, anywhere taller than six eight six nine six ten you know basically those they go through a lot you know playing this game and so you know you never know what could what could set it back off but uh it certainly seems like all in all uh, a lot better for him to have a couple more days to get right all right, so next up is, is Dallas at Cambridge Fieldhouse. How much better do you think they made themselves with the acquisitions prior to the trade deadline, uh, one being Daniel Gafford, uh, the big guy, the pivot for the uh, Wizards, and then I think the other, P.J. Washington of the Hornets. How much better do you think did they make themselves with those deals? Yeah, big. I think they needed to get some size. I think they clearly needed to get some, get some guys to add to. And, and, and it's all just about getting pieces that, uh, you know, enhance – what they have with Luca and with Kyrie, uh, they just have to have other stuff. And I, I feel like they they haven't necessarily had enough size before, had enough guys to that four and five position that they could, uh, you know, could rebound for them, they could defend for them. Um, they needed to just you know address that issue, and 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 clearly they have, and that's made them a lot better. And I think they're like I think I know they beat Phoenix last night. Luca had a bunch. And I want to say that's seven in a row for them. So that's clearly clearly done a lot. I mean, I know even just we're talking about All Stars this weekend. I mean, Barkley was just saying he thought Dallas had one of the best uh, all all in all. Deadline in terms of what they were able to bring in and, and just all the pieces that, that, again, add to what they're doing, that they weren't massive individual, but collectively, you know, gives them a lot of stuff that they didn't have. Yeah, you look at, you mentioned they'd won, what, seven in a row now? Is that what they've won? I think that's right. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six. It looks like seven. But they uh, they put up points, and no doubt about that. They've had some Pacer-esque games. One was impressive uh, going back to uh, the 10th a week ago uh, against Oklahoma City. Put up 146 against Oklahoma City. That's a good team. This is a loaded Dallas team coming in here on Sunday. Yeah, no, it really is. Uh, again, just the way they're playing. I mean, the West is just really tough top to bottom uh, with everybody, but just the way that Dallas is, has played lately, you're starting to see just a, a lot of those pieces come together. It certainly starts with, you know, Luka is uh, definitely playing at a, at a first, uh, first team All-NBA level uh, lately and, and, you know, making a, a real, uh, you know, uh, MVP charge there. Again, like Gafford, you're just seeing just big numbers there uh, for him on the glass. It's really, really important. Just every, you know, 
you know, yeah, like, you know, Kyrie's playing well. Lively's obviously a really good player. P.J. Washington, I think, is kind of an underrated forward. You know, Josh Green's not bad. Max Kleber does a lot for them. Tim Hardaway Jr., I think, has been one of the best bench players uh, in the league uh, this season. So just everything that they've got coming together for that group um, is, is, you know, it's like – it is hitting its stride right now, but yeah, like I said, I mean, just the the additional pieces, the, the, the overall length when you're looking at Washington, Lively, you know, Hardaway at the three, Kleebler, you know, Gaffer coming off the bench. There's a lot of good pieces there for them. So the highest attended All Star game in 14 years, according to the Pacers. You hear that earlier? I did see that. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. think about no, All-Star I mean, Weekend in general? Did they do themselves a great deal of service, as we would expect Indy to do, with all that went down? And certainly some hurdles they had to get through, weather being yeah. one. But with everything sure. that happened this past weekend, did they do themselves the service as they normally do around here with you know, putting up a, the best in terms of hosting a big event? Yeah, no, I thought so. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I imagine most people would say say this in terms of people who had to move around. I mean, I I thought it was great once I parked my car. Uh, you know, the <laughs> traffic was a trip uh, for sure, and I'm yeah. not sure how that compares into previous uh, times when they've had these mega events. And obviously, it's a different event. You know, it's not just the one game, the one night, and, and getting in and out, or, or and, and some smaller things like associated with it. It's three nights where you have, uh, you know, kind of a primetime event, and then you have the crossover going all day. And, and in with that, you have mega concerts downtown. I mean, like, you know, like if Lil Wayne was playing Gainbridge Fieldhouse, like you would have traffic that night, you know, like if it was just a random one-off in, you know, March or April or whatever, like you'd have a significant amount of traffic just getting into that show. So you're piling all of these things together. Um, and so obviously that's a different kind of challenge than just, you know, having the Big Ten championship game when it's, you know, one thing and everybody comes in. Um, you know, it's a different deal. I mean, I, But I thought as far as everything just, you know, set up and, and, and having all these op- opportunities to see cool stuff, I, I think that was really Really cool. I mean, I was impressed by how how each of the events was put on themselves. Um, so for the most part, I think Indy did well. I, mean, I, I think what they did, the, the thing that really stood out to me that was individually Indianapolis putting its stamp on it that really impressed me was just how much they spent on you know, uh, putting the history out there, you know, basically for both the franchise and the Pacers, but, you know, the state, obviously, I think it was helpful, you know, some other entities coming in. You saw the, you know, the Reggie Miller, Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird thing I thought was pretty cool and kind of having that be part of the weekend. Right. But like having the Oscar Robertson, um, you know, uh, tribute uh, during one of the timeouts with Spike Lee and Mike Epps and, and Jalen Rose, I thought was really cool. Uh, you know, leaning into that, leaning into Christmas Attics. I mean, I think a lot of that stuff, um, that really put in the Indies mark on it. Uh, that I think stands out more than most places. I mean, like obviously you can have this yeah. thing at, and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the playgrounds like the Las Vegases and the Miamis and whatnot. But I think connecting back uh, to its history, the history of the game, was what they were really trying to do here. And I think that really, really shot. You know, again, like there were definitely, you know, logistical obstacles. I mean, it took me an hour and. 20 minutes to get to all-star Saturday night. It's a 10 minute drive from my house. Um, but everything, as far as like, once you park your car and look around at what all was going on and just seeing how they put on each individual show from Friday night through Sunday, I thought was really impressive. Well done, Dustin. I appreciate that. Great job at doing it. Continued great job with the star covering the Pacers. He's on the Andy Moore automotive group pylon. Enjoy that game on Sunday, Dustin. We'll do it again soon. We'll do Thanks so much for having me, man. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
On the Andy Moore Automotive Group line, voice of the Hoosiers, getting ready to uh, take off. Head to Penn State, Penn State IU tomorrow. Noon is the start time, 11 a.m., 93 WIBC. The voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us. Don Fisher is also splendid. He's splendidly doing about 95 southbound I-69 right now, right? About 95? I, I slowed down just for you, John. I slowed down just you. You did. Oh, that's safe. <laughs> Safety first, Don Fisher. That is outstanding out of you. Um, start. I'm going to start a little bit of hoop. Outside of the start of the second half the other night, kind of the same old, same old. Don, every week we've talked about this, and you've always brought it up. You're looking for any, any leadership consistency on this team. And if there is anything that they're missing, along with a lot of things we see on the floor, that continues to be something they simply do not have. I agree. Um, and, I, you know, they're, they're, I mean, Trey Galloway is a quiet leader, but you've got to have an alpha male-type leader out there on the floor, somebody that's not afraid to say, hey, you're not getting your job done, or uh, you've got to stop doing that, or, you know, try to help the coaching staff out with the execution of play. Um, and that requires somebody that's smart, is a veteran, so to speak. I think Galloway tries to give him that, but he's not the vocal guy that you need. And unfortunately right now, that's their biggest struggle. And the consistency that we've seen them, or the lack of consistency that we've seen them play with, I think tells you all you need to know in that regard. Yeah, you know, when, when you search for it, you and I have talked about this week after week. Um, I guess it's just something that you can't find with this group that they don't have. And, you know, you got to make a note of that with whatever roster you look at next year and make sure you have that, among other things. Well, it's going to be hard, John, in that sense, because right now we don't know who on this roster will be back. I mean, obviously, Galloway's a senior. Uh, but has another year of, uh, of, of, you know, he could take another year to play college basketball if he wants to. He's got that opportunity. Uh, Xavier Johnson's gone. Walker's gone because he has obviously uh, used up his eligibility. Um, Malik Renew, obviously he's a sophomore. He would probably be the odds-on favorite to be a leader next year. I think Malik sometimes does try to talk uh, to his teammates and and get, get on them a little bit. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems to be just visually watching him in ball games sometimes that he does get after some of his teammates. Um, but we just don't know who's going to be there next year right now. And the way this thing is going right now, uh, as far as the wins and losses are concerned, you, you're, I think the transfer portal is going to have to be huge. And then you're bringing guys that you don't know that much about. And if they're not vetted well, we'll have the same thing we got this year because we're looking at a team right now that the construction of this roster is not the best that we've seen, to say the least. No, yeah, exactly. And I think that really this is just going to be like two, three, fourfold compared to what most other coaches in college basketball have to do now. you got to re-recruit your team, win, lose, or draw every single year with the way things NIL and transfer portals go now every single year. And here's the other thing. You don't know who's going to come in and say uh, to – players on this ball club that they think can play 
uh, you know, we've got we got some money to offer you. <laughs> yeah. And and that could take guys away as well. So we're not talking about just guys that are unhappy with their playing time or that kind of stuff. You're literally recruiting guys that are still there and are guys that you want to keep. You have to recruit those guys back to your program. Uh, I mean, maybe they'll test the NBA waters and all that kind of stuff. Well, then they could go someplace else if they do that. So who knows? This is going to be a challenge, I think, for Mike Woodson and his coaching staff, to say the least. And if this thing continues to spiral downhill, it may be tough to keep anybody. No, completely agree. That's why I think there's going to be it's, – it's going to be – I'm not going to suggest it's going to be a complete reboot, but about as close to it I would not be surprised considering everything else that is going on and, and certainly the way this program is right now. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher. You get IU Penn State coming up tomorrow at noon. Is this game in rec hall as the Penn State-Illinois game was earlier this week? No, thank heavens it'll be at Bryce Jordan Center, and I say that because the rec hall was absolutely a zoo uh, in the Illinois ball game, and it was because yeah. they only have 9,000 seats in that building. The students all came, and that place was wild, and that was a big reason why Penn State knocked off Illinois because it was so loud and such a terrific atmosphere from, from a college basketball perspective, but especially in Penn State's favor. So back to the Bryce Jordan Center for our ball game tomorrow, which is probably the best thing that could possibly be happening under these circumstances. Dark and cavernous, and you, you saw you saw how that place and those fans got to Coleman Hawkins, and that didn't take much. That's Illinois' big man. It doesn't take much to get to him, but he may have had the the worst final minute plus that we have seen in a long time in that game the other night. Yeah, I didn't get to see it. I heard about it. <laughs> to score eight points in the last 36 seconds of the ball game to win it for Penn State tells you all you need to know. There was obviously a turnover or two, uh, and guys missing free throws and all kinds of good stuff. The Illini... Uh, just took it out of the chin, and obviously that was a tough loss for them because it hurt them in the ratings. Yeah, he was the guy missing the free throws, too. He It's funny, before he missed those final two free throws, he was angry, as he normally is. He was angry at the official because the official was slow getting him the basketball so he could shoot the free throws. So you could tell he was he was angry, and he was showing that, and then he walks up there and misses two free throws. <laughs> Well, that means that his concentration was on his anger. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and then and then that was right before he fouled the three-point shooter that knocked down three free throws that won them the game. So yeah, it wasn't a was not a good final couple of possessions for Coleman. Not at all. <laughs> well, he can be he can be gotten to. There's no question about that. Yeah, that's been kind of his mo over the years. You know what I mean? No doubt about that. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers. You guys go on at 11 tomorrow? 11 a.m. pregame show and 12 noon tip-off. I also wanted to mention this because I talk about it all the time, and it's helping me out. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline is also now into uh, my friends at QC Kinetics. You were interested and now you've given it a try. So what do you think, Don? Well, 
you know, I just I was in there Thursday of this week and I went through the process and I was impressed with the people that were in there and the explanation of everything that was going to take place. Um, they gave me my first treatment. Uh, and believe it or not, and they said it would probably be seven to 10 days before I would feel a difference. And really today, which is Friday, I actually it was Wednesday when I was in there today is Friday. Uh, actually my, my knee feels better today. So it's pretty impressive stuff. And obviously I've got a couple other appointments that I have to do, uh, to continue the process. But at the same time, when you feel something change almost immediately, uh, it's a good feeling, to say the least. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is something that athletes have been doing. They used to have to go. Like, this is when, remember when Peyton Manning hurt his neck and he went to Germany to check out this type of treatment then. This goes, you know, back 14-plus years. Um, right. And then now it's available not just to athletes, but it's available to everybody. And it works it definitely works for me, but it's cool that uh, you did that as well. I can also tell you they were much more excited when I told them that you would like to give this thing a try than they were when I told them I would like to. <laughs> much more excited. <laughs> well, here's what I do know. If this works on my knee, there's about three other spots in my body. I'll try <laughs> Well, I tell everybody all the time, by the time I'm 60, I'm going to have all new parts. All new. I'm just going to go ahead and overhaul everything. So. Well, you know what? There's, there's something to be said for being the $6 million man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, there's no doubt. I mean, Lee Majors, he's still going strong today. Today, still going strong. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, get to Bloomington, catch that plane, have a great call coming up tomorrow with Eric and John, and uh, we'll check back in coming up next Friday. But, hey, thanks for taking my advice on QC Kinetics. We'll, ha we'll have you uh, keep everybody updated on how things are going. Sounds good, John. Thanks for having me. You got it. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers right there on his way to Bloomington. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Powerline, joining us after a week-long hiatus. Last week, he had to handle his students down during All-Star Weekend, and I guess this hiatus includes us not Going with, at least this week, a Mike Wells slow jam re-entry. Mike Wells on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now. My apologies for that. I'm back for the first time today, so I completely forgot. Hey, Jay, I, I feel like I'm being punished right now, man. You know, you know, like, like when, you, when you were growing up and yeah. you got caught sneaking out the house, chasing after some girl, your mom, hey, Mama Jam V did something to punish you for your mess up. I feel like because I had to skip out last Friday, we had no slow jam reentry. And so I, 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 feel, I feel heartbroken off of But knowing you've been sick all week, you're forgiven. And speaking of being sick, I got to tell you, your favorite member of the Wells household, Ms. Layla Lee Wells, they, were, they played at Franklin Central last night. Yeah. And I was talking to three gentlemen. And one of them was the seventh grade boys coach. And they came today. One of them said, hey, do you know what song Jan V's going to play? 
when you're coming on. And I, I, said, I said, I've never known. And all our years that we've been doing a slow jam reentry, I mean, we're looking at 10, 11, 12, 13 years of doing this on a, re- on a regular yeah. on Friday. I've never known. I'm just, I said, he and I are just old school R&B junkies who know our right. music. And I know my ass cannot sing. I know it for a fact. But it is unbelievable. I was talking to Chris Hagen, our three foot two gin- uh, favorite ginger of this week. It is amazing the number of people, just random people that I don't know, bring up how much they enjoy Friday the four o'clock yeah. when they're in the car or whatnot. Because the three of us, or mainly you and I, we do not take ourselves serious all the time, and we have fun when we're on the air for twenty to twenty five minutes on Friday afternoon. So I, I love the people. Love to hear us act like a bunch of fools on the radio. Uh, that's it. That's exactly what well, one of the reasons why we do it is to have fun with it. And you can have fun with it every single Friday for sure. I'm glad to hear that from the Franklin Central crew. No question about it. Hey, how'd your students respond to being a part of All-Star Weekend in the capacity in which they were? Man, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, don't, I can't even take the credit for it. My my students truly kicked ass down in Bloomington. Like I mean, at the downtown Indianapolis last weekend, they were professionals from how what time they showed up, how they dressed, how they asked questions, how they interacted with with Shams, Chris Haynes, Woj, all those the best of the best in the business, and how they, the work they turned out. They truly they truly made me feel good because they went in as legit professionals and not as fanboys or fangirls. So props to what they're doing down in Bloomington at the IU Media School. So what did you have them do? Did they just – who did they interview? They actually they, – they were fully credentialed as the same way as Dustin Stewart was at, at the start. Yeah. Or, or, or Joel Erickson. Or all everybody. So they had access to all media sessions on Friday after Friday, Saturday afternoons. And they covered the Rising Stars game Friday night, the slam dunk competition itself on Saturday, and then they covered the game on, on Sunday. I had four students Friday night, three Saturday night, and three Sunday night. So they, and I, the best part was I had a couple students, students when guys were at the main podium got questions in. Like one of my students asked Jason Tatum a couple questions on Saturday. So they, they had no fear. It's like you coming across half court, knowing you're going to make that long three-point shot. My students knew they can get good questions in, and that's what they did. It's awesome. That's, that's the type of experience where you're not going to get very often anywhere other than being a part of the Mike Wells class, which is, which is awesome. What did you think about All-Star Weekend overall? I mean, minus, minus two things. Minus that damn snow. And the cold yeah. weather and that horrible game on Saturday night, I thought it was great. Like, I, I enjoyed the Rising Stars game. I love the Steph and Sabrina three-point shootout. The dunk contest, I think that's just been boring for years. But I just think what Indianapolis did, it, it continues to prove that this should be a city that hosts a major, major event every couple of years because of the location and how everything is conducive and close. And the fact that the city knows how to put, they know how to do things the right way and putting on the events. 
They do, even through that snow this past Friday as well. But, yeah, I thought it was great, too. And, again, the game just has become what the game is. And, you know, people have all these great ideas about what you can do about it. I just don't know what ultimately you're going to be able to do about it. But I thought the weekend here in Indy was fantastic. What did you think of the Pacers? I know it was Detroit and they're terrible. But other than the third quarter, the Pacers doing to a team that they should do that to that was good to see because oftentimes this season we've seen that the other direction. Well, you, that last part of what you said has been on point. We've seen what they've been able to do against the Boston, against the Milwaukee, the teams that are believed to be title contending teams. We've seen them go toe-to-toe and beat them teams. It's been the Wolves or the Charlotte and, you know, the Detroit. But for them to come out the break, first game out of the break, and punch Detroit in the mouth three out of the four quarters – that's what that's what you need to happen the rest of the season. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I do know the favor. Excuse me, the schedule strictly favors the Cole, the Pacers on um, the rest of the way. They're playing a lot of bad basketball teams, and they have an opportunity to try to make some noise to close the gap in the East. Are they going to do it? I don't know, but it's laying out there at the buffet table for the Pacers to be able to to win a lot of games in the second half of the season. They did give up 45 in the third quarter to Detroit. And something like that, a quarter like that, you know, is something that uh, they haven't been able to shake off just yet. I, I thought that especially in the first half, we saw this team play at the highest of levels together really for the first time with everybody we're thinking about other than the Neesmith, the first time that I can remember. That was a good feeling. But the quarters like the third quarter, does that give you pause to think how this thing still has a great deal of work to do? Well, listen, they, they've been giving me pause. They've been giving – I think they've been giving myself pause, giving you pause, a lot of people pause, not just off of the third quarter last night, but just what we saw, the, you know, over the past month, you know, the highs and the lows of it. But they're at, the, they're at the point now where they can't afford to have these highs and the lows because as you, as you look at uh, the, the makeup of the East, they got a lot of ground to have to try to make up to do it. So my pause is going to continue to be there. And it's not strictly based off of what happened last night in the third quarter. You look at the makeup, I mean, they're currently the sixth seed. They're two and a half games behind the Knicks for a top four seed in the East. And we know what you, you want to be able to play as home play be the home team for as many series as possible before you have to face a Boston or a Cleveland or whatnot, a higher seeded team in the playoffs. Pascal Siakam, how has he been? We're what, now at least a month deep into it and obviously from through that either Halliburton wasn't playing or had restricted minutes in play. What do you make of Pascal Siakam with this team? You know, I, I still don't feel like I don't feel like we we've seen the Siakam that we saw in, in Toronto. I think he's still he's still feeling his way through it, trying to get comfortable with his role. And I say that for somebody who's averaging 20, 21 points a game. I think there's still more to Siakam out there. 
And, I, I, and, and when I say that, I think it's more so of not wanting to step on toes, being, quote, unquote, the new guy. I think we're going to see an even better Siakam as we get closer to the playoffs. Which for, and that for the Pacers' sake, that's exactly what you want. You want him to continue to keep climbing the mountain so once the postseason comes, he is that guy. He is essentially the Robin to uh, Halliburton's Batman in the postseason. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Does that give you at all pause that when they hand out that extension and evidently he's going to end up taking it this summer, does that, does that also give you pause to think about how much money is that again? Or is that something you just do and do willingly? Oh, you're doing, you're doing it willingly. You're doing it willingly. I mean, again, 20-plus point score, who is going to get continue to get better? Oh, heck no. I'm not even thinking twice about it. There's no such thing. Hey, forget the pause button. We're hitting the we're hitting the acceleration button. We going all in and let's keep it rolling off of that one. That's that's what I look at with with Siakam because how long? I mean, legit. I, I and I can't. I'm old and my memory's not the best. When is the last time the Pacers had had legit two twenty point scores on a roster that could do things? Yeah. Together. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. Hey, by the way, hey, been, hey, I don't mean yeah. to rub. How, how are you feeling, man? I am um, I'm feeling better. I'm still not quite where I need to be, my voice-wise, but I'm feeling better. I, um, I, went through, I had a bad earlier week, for sure. It's bad. Yeah, because you, you, you definitely sound a little raspy. You know, I can't, we can't sit there and talk sports, and I can't ask without me asking how my guy's feeling, man. So uh, I, hope, I, hope, I, hope you, I hope you feel uh, you're, you're continuing yeah. to get better, and your girl, Le- like your girl Layla don't want you to be sick either. I, well, I did not have a voice at all earlier this week. I was incredible. I made nothing, which a lot of people were saying, well, that'd be just great. You should do that every day. But I didn't have a voice at all earlier this week so yeah it was um it was not your garden variety flu like symptoms i don't think that it, it uh it took me down pretty good for a couple of days oh man man i i hate i hate to hear that so but, but no but back, hey i'm glad you're feeling better but now back to the pacers so when it's all said and done when the postseason starts in april are their top four seed in the east Oh, I'd like to think they are, but I don't think they're going to be. Mike, I'm looking ahead at the schedule, and everybody thinks this schedule is easier in this final handful of games and this stretch run. But there is a, a particular stretch that concerns me, and it's one that is forthcoming. And March the 5th at Dallas, back here on March the 7th, Minnesota, at Orlando, at OKC, that's a four-game stretch coming off of back-to-back New Orleans and San Antonio. I think that portion of the schedule is a lot more difficult than what people may suggest. Going out west, again, they still have to do. You know, they play Golden State, a team they lost to here. They play the Clippers, a team that blew them out here at the Lakers. So they still have a lot of work to do. So I'd, I'd like to suggest that they... They get more consistent and get better and then show us they can do that. But consistency has not been their forte. That's why I'd be a little bit skeptical. Yeah, I think that four-game stretch 
I think that four game stretch. I mean, that is they're talking about four playoff teams. I I, I like what Orlando, with Jamal Mosley, the head coach of the Orlando Magic's doing. Uh, I think they are definitely. Another. We know what OKC is. One thing about that that West Coast trip that's very rare for the for the Pacers is they open the road trip on the road at Detroit. And then yeah. they, they wrap it up after playing the two L.A. teams in back-to-back days by going to Chicago before they come home to play the Lakers again. That is, that is not normal for them. To be the, the, no, start a road yeah. trip in, in, in the east or the central. And it will start a, trip, a road trip in the Midwest, go west, and then finish up in the Midwest again. That's not normal. And I, I know some people say it's not a big deal because it's Detroit and Chicago, but – when you're out west and you're coming right back to play, that's not an easy quest to conquer. Yeah, I agree. I, and I, I just think that there, there is difficulty there because of what you're talking about and what I brought up about the schedule. And then there still is a thought that this team has had its struggles against the teams that are worse than them. They have played down, more consistently played down to their competition than they have swamped or overwhelmed their competition. That's just something, Mike, that they're going to have to prove to not just me, but to all of us. And it kind of made you wonder. I know Rick Carlisle, you know, held them in after the game to watch that third quarter. He clearly sees a disconnect, whether it's a quarter or a half of basketball that has yet to go away that they're trying to figure out and trying to fix And, you know, you you play a better team and you give up 45 in the third, that could compromise what happens in the fourth. They were just, you know, so far out in front and Detroit is so bad that they could easily have put them away last night after giving up 45 in the third. But I know that they're trying to figure that out. It's just that inconsistency that preys on my mind a little bit as far as believing that they can jump up into that top four that you're talking about. So essentially, what you're saying is folks should not fall for the banana in the tailpipe with the schedule somewhat in their favor because I think, they have not I earned think they the have right. Enough. I, I think they have enough to do it right now. I just kind of wonder if we're going to see them. I, I just want to see them play consistently. And I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. I, I think they have the, the team to do it, especially when healthy. I just want to see them be able to do it consistently, and that's kind of what we're all, Mike, waiting on. Yeah, no. And, and the, the scary part is is that we're in the final third of the season, and we're saying we need to – we're still waiting for them to play consistent. Yeah. That's, well, that's, then, why, I, that's yeah. why I can't I can't sit here and say I'm all in and say I feel like they're going to they're gonna be a, a top four seed niece. And, and then the other side of that is – it's good because you're thinking about, all right, well, they, you know, they're still waiting on that consistency that you're talking about, but they have won some really good games. I mean, they've been really good at times as well. And if you want to, you can try to say, well, you know, now Halliburton's now getting back to full strength. You've had Siakam for a month. Now you're moving forward there. And, you know, maybe you can figure out some things to better maintain on the glass. I thought they were really good. Miles was really good on the glass. Last night, Miles didn't force anything, just kind of let the game come to him. And then once you get Neesmith back, if Neesmith can become more of, you know, that identity of a a stopper on the wing, not stopping anybody because nobody's going to get stopped, but, you know, more of a roadblock on the wing that has been necessary for them, 
And then all those pieces start to slide together. But those are things we're kind of waiting on still. No, exactly, exactly. Hey, are you uh, on a different sport note? Are you are you doing a show downtown um, at the combine next week? Uh evidently so. I think I'm there on Wednesday for sure because I think Steichen is on the show Wednesday. Ooh, how is he on the radio? Have you had him on? Uh yeah, yeah. He's um, I had him on his first radio. I know he talked to Matt Taylor. And I'm glad he did because I got to listen to him last year when he got hired. And when I listened to him talk to Matt, I found out that he gives five-word answers most of the time. So I had to be ready with like three and four questions further because I knew I was going to end up getting five-word answers. He doesn't elaborate too often. Yeah. So it's um, – we'll see if it's different when we're face-to-face. But, yes, on the phone, he is not the most talkative individual of all time. Oh, that ain't that okay. No, no, no. Yeah, you better have you a bunch of questions. And if you're trying to go 20, 25 minutes with him, you better be uh, you better be super deep in questions. Or, I was or, pulling him from know. everywhere. I was, I was pulling him from everywhere, Mike. I mean, I was. I was a professional, and I'm glad I listened to Matt because I thought, yeah, you know what? I got to be loaded up like two and three deep on this guy because he just – he just gives short answers. Now, he's become better, more well-versed in handling it now. But he still, you could tell he would rather not be there like a lot of these guys wouldn't. So you're going to have to find, hopefully, something that he's able to talk about past five or six words. And that's well, my job. Hey, hey, maybe after you get done talking about what they want to do with that number 15 pick and all that episode, maybe you'll maybe you'll learn that he has he has some R and B love like you and I do, man. Yeah, why not that? Something like that. That's what we got to find. That's what we got to yeah. find. See, he was uh, a quarterback for a former Indiana State coach named Mike Sanford. Um, he was a quarterback, I believe, at um, UNLV, and then he was an assistant coach for Mike Sanford while he was uh, at Louisville. And he actually, when Mike Sanford took the job at Indiana State, he declined in going with him. Mike had asked him, but he declined to go. And I I worked that angle a ton the first time he was on, and it didn't really add too much depth. So I just got to find something that he's interested in. I just don't know what that is besides football yet. Yeah, hey, listen, you're pro, you're pro, I'm sure you'll, you'll get it in. Hey, are you uh, about to get my man Tay his first taste of some country kitchen tomorrow night? Are you on tomorrow night? We can, we can, yes. we can be your, uh, we can be your DoorDash delivery guy and bring yes. you some country kitchen if you want. That, that is uh, my plan is to be on tomorrow night. So, honestly, I was getting a little bit of pushback about coming on today and then doing it tomorrow night too. But I said, I'm going to see how I sound today at the end and then we'll go go with tomorrow night. So I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to be okay as of right now. All right. Well, I'm going to text you tomorrow. If you want something to eat, we will hand deliver it over to the circle. Aww. And uh, get, get you some uh, some some uh, fried catfish, some chicken wings, man. We'll, uh, we'll take care of you. I love that. I, hey, by the way, were you uh, excited when Shaq pointed out and gave a lot of love to Country Kitchen last weekend? Oh, excited by yeah. that? Yeah, and, and that's and that's why I stayed away from it last weekend because if Shaq's talking <laughs> about it, everybody's going. So I was not trying to wait in any kind of line. Great business for them, but I was not waiting in any kind of line 
for it and stuff. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna get to it tomorrow night. How's my girl doing? How, how's that Center Road Central Hoop team doing? We, I, I actually got to watch her earlier this week, and they played Franklin Central. So she had had a good game then, uh, hanging in there. So our girls are still. They need to run a lot more. Um, that would have been nice, but at the end of the season, I assume we're not going to be doing much of that. But yeah, it's been interesting. All right, now that's a good deal, brother. How about, hey. how about yours? How are you guys doing? They're doing good, uh, Miss, Miss Layla. Layla, how y'all doing? Y'all doing pretty good in basketball. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she's hey, <laughs> faces in her faces in her phone, not paying attention to us, Jay. But she said yes. Uh, wrap up the season next week at the conference tournament. Hopefully, they can take care of business and then uh, get the ball rolling AAU season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, at least there's no more of this offensive-defensive end-of-game stuff, is there? I couldn't have any of that. I had to cut somebody out. <laughs> hey, Lola, hey, Dave, you want to know, are you going to offensive, defensive, and substitution still? <laughs> oh, hey, I wasn't there that night, so I don't know what you're talking about. I, I probably should get on the phone now, too. <laughs> hey, man, I, I put my arm around her, and I said, what the heck is up with this? <laughs> Yo, I said, why don't you slide over here? Slide over here with us, and you can play offense and defense. It'll be just fine, believe me. So, oh, man. Right. Yeah, no, said, I, I'm going to say, hey, Spolstra, settle down a little bit over there, all right? <laughs> Come on. All right, brother. Hey, I, I got to run, man. Have a great weekend. I'm going to take yep. you tomorrow. You got it, buddy. Good to talk with you. Bye, Layla. It's uh, Mike yeah, we Wells of ESPN Radio, the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Every single Friday right here on the 3 o'clock hour brought to you by your 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, CarX.com. With my friend Joe Childers in that location nearest you, has there anything that over your time compares to the type of season or the notoriety that Caitlin Clark has had, either for the women or the men? Are we breaking some new ground with this in mind for you, Bob? Oh, I don't think there's any question, John. I think it's a, um, I think you just look at the national media uh, and see how much more exposure women's games are getting. I think that it's a, an inflection point, if you will. I think uh, you know you have a superstar that, as you mentioned, little girls can rally around and, and uh, you know pretend to be, and, and uh, you have a perfect role model. Um, it's pretty cool down in Bloomington lines all the way around the assembly hall to get in to watch yeah. the game. And so, no, it's all good. And and I think media now, you know, they're a little bit slow to move around, but I think the media is beginning to give the proper amount of attention that it needs to to women's sports in general, and right now specifically to women's basketball. And so, you know, just like this weekend at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, we have the uh, – Girl State Finals, and I, I dare say there will be great crowds down there watching some tremendous basketball. It's about Lovell who joins us. You know, oftentimes on a daily basis, you get people that have to find something to piss and moan about, have to be <laughs> mad about, have to be angry about. Right. You know, with her, with, with her, I don't get any of it because on one side, it 
raises the level of your play, no matter your IU or your Michigan State or your Gardner-Webb or your Belmont, your Indiana State, it doesn't matter. It raises, it raises the level of play. And then the overall spotlight that is now being shined on the game there, to me, is no downside to this. And, you know, you had last night, Bob, people saying, oh, look at all the calls she gets. Listen, that's fine. That, that happens with good basketball players, all right? Yeah. And then yeah. you raise that competitive profile with the fan base and certainly fans that wouldn't normally be watching too much. That is just a win-win. There is, to me, nothing to complain about this whatsoever and if you're not you fan your team went out and did everything that was necessary to get a very impressive win their most impressive win of the season last night there's no question and but, but what terry morn has done has been phenomenal uh in in her own right in, in uh, elevating that program to where it is it's a, a national power recognized as such extremely competitive within the big 10 and you have the big stage with caitlin clark John, it's human nature to try to uh, find something wrong, no matter what. And um, you just wish people could look beyond it. Uh, as you point out, there's nothing that Caitlin Clark does that's wrong. You know, and I'm sure that the I, officials yeah. didn't help her shoot those 30-foot jump shots and make it go in. So what she, what she does, she's done with hard work, good old-fashioned hard work, great teammates and great coaching. But I think it's fun. I think it's tremendous that we're at this situation as i mentioned it's a it's an inflection point for for women's sports in general and I, and I think all of us benefit from that the more people can go out and watch games you're the father of a daughter who likes to play it has to be cool for you to watch laney watch her play and get excited about being a basketball player no doubt about that and uh, all the girls around laney and other girls and girls everywhere enjoy it even more and then you know, you talk about Terry Moran just raising that basketball profile in Bloomington. And, Bob, it comes at a time when, again, we see the IU men's team profile at an incredible low. So, I mean, really, I'm not suggesting it's going to even things out because you want that men's program to be what people want it to be down there and fans of IU. But it, it certainly does not hurt. Uh, be raised in the profile the past couple of years as we've seen Terry Moran do with that women's program. Yeah, and you know what? It's just uh, I think it's coincidental too. I mean, you know, when Terry had was at Indiana State, she won games that propelled her to get the job uh, in, in Bloomington, where she's been. She's been successful at the University of Indianapolis. Everywhere along the line, she's been successful. Uh, IU basketball. It's just you know how this is. It's cyclical. They're in a situation right now where they're not playing like people think they should. Not playing like you know they, they everybody involved believes they should. Uh, I, I say it all the time, John. I don't make it – I'm not trying to be cliched. It's hard to win. <laughs> it's very difficult to win basketball games at any level. And so, men's basketball has had tremendous success, we all know, in the past. It's in a situation right now where it's not as good as it has been, but it's still a, a powerful product. And I have no doubt that uh, in the not-too-distant future, they'll be back playing – uh, in front of sold-out crowds like they normally do and, and winning basketball games at the level everybody's excited about. All right, Bob, we've got some state finals going on at the Fieldhouse coming up tomorrow with the girls in mind, don't we? We do, and uh, you know what? It's, it's always a great time of year, John, you know, because sectionals for boys will begin on Tuesday, so you yep. wrap up girls' basketball, and so, you know, our, our mutual friend Greg Regstraw is – 
beyond excited. His Lanesville team is back to defend their championship in 1A, taking on North Central of Farmersburg. And so, you know what? It, uh, it'll be, uh, excuse me, they're, <laughs> they, are, they are taking on um, Lanesville, is, you know, right. playing in that first one against Marquette Catholic, excuse me. Right. And uh, so, in 1A game, the story, obviously, is can Lanesville repeat? Uh, when you ask Greg, the answer is an, uh, an affirmative, a strong yes. Uh, we know it's hard to repeat as champions in anything, but they're really, really good. And uh, this Marquette Catholic team uh, had uh, one, a close one against Clinton Central to get in it. They've been ranked highly all year long. So that's going to be a tremendous matchup to start the day. Yeah, and then obviously I saw the end of LC on Saturday before Center Grove and Franklin played in that uh, semifinal game as well on the second one. And there, there are not a lot of things you can say um, uh, as far as LC is concerned that they don't have going for them. That is an incredibly talented team, both on the floor and on the bench. Well, they really are, John, and that's why they've had the success that they had to this point. And, you know, it starts with the coach. I mean, tremendous coach. You know, you've got the, the daughters there. Listen, if you mentioned talent. They are supremely talented, and they've played a very, very difficult schedule. And look where they are, playing for a championship. And, you know, I think uh, when the season started, uh, people thought they had a, a legitimate chance to be in the position they're in playing for a state championship. And so, um, you know, clearly uh, it, it should be something that – if they'll just go and play, they're playing a very competitive and very good Lake Central team. Listen, Lake Central beats Noblesville uh, last week in the semi-state by 16 to get where they are. So they have to be a really, really good basketball team. So, you know, the 4A battle should be, uh, I think like the other, should be a tremendously competitive game to wrap up the night. So Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talks, got you covered tonight. Tomorrow night, across the network, Indiana affiliated stations with us. Again, we're on a tavern tour stop. GG's at 71st in Benford. Would love to see you up here with our friends from Heaven Hill Distillery and Brent Halverson hanging out with me as well. Bob Lovell's brought to you by your 14th Central Indiana Joe Childers Run Carx location. So you and Greg did that last week. What did you think about uh, the way that the boys' sectional pairings ended up got knocking itself out and making a lot, as it normally does, of really good, strong first-night matchups. Well, I think the thing that we got out of the night, John, was, um, as you point out, there's some really good matchups in that first night. But I think the theme throughout the basketball season for boys and girls has been balance, uh, has been the situation where there are some really, really good basketball teams at all four classes. And uh, I think Greg pointed it out. Uh, there may be a clear-cut favorite or two, but uh, all four classes are, are up for grabs. 4A especially, as we talked about throughout the year. And, um, you know, it's just it's what makes it so much fun. You've done it. I've done it. We all know that upsets are the, the rule rather than the exception. And there are going to be some teams uh, who are highly rated who won't make the appearance to play in the state finals. It happens every year. And uh, we also pointed out, and we remind everybody, this is the 114th time we played a state basketball championship for boards in the state of Indiana. And uh, 114 years of excellence is pretty hard to match. No, nah, there's no doubt about that. Going to have a great weekend here. The fellas start coming up early next week. Bob Lovell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Purdue, 
sticking it to Rutgers last night impressively. IU gets Penn State tomorrow. Butler tomorrow night on the road at Seton Hall. And uh, my Sycamores earlier this week got back in the win column. It was good to see him win. You know, they've got – there's a situation right now where we're playing for seed in the, in the Valley Tournament. Uh, I, I don't know. I think when you leave decisions like that to a committee – uh, you always have to be kind of concerned about what your fate's going to be. So Sycamores are good enough, powerful enough, well-coached enough to win the Valley Tournament. But it would be nice to get some momentum going on. And as the tourney starts pretty soon and you're trying to get that momentum. Same thing for, for I think it's the same story for Butler with this matchup in Seton Hall. They need to start stringing together some wins here uh, to carry them into the Big East Tournament um, and and uh, solidify a, a possible chance in the NCAA tournament. They need wins. They need wins, and they need them in a hurry. To Bob Lovell, Indiana Sports Talk, tonight, tomorrow night. Get a little preview of the games tomorrow and a recap coming up tomorrow night, Bob, with us every single Friday on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, brought to you by CarX, your 14 Central Indiana. Joe Childers run CarX locations, carx.com today. My friend, great to talk with you today. We'll do it again next week. All right, thanks, John. Take care of yourself. Thanks so much. You got it. Bob Lovell of Indiana Sports Talk.